This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barties and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. And we are back from hiatus once again, and very excited to be getting into Riverdale stuff. But first, we have to give you guys some news, starting with some very disappointing news. And it just shows that we are really, truly in a new era because Tom Swift got canceled. And at the time, it hadn't even made it halfway through its season. I hate it so much. <laughs> I know. I mean, nothing really takes the wind out of your sails quite like a show getting canceled right when you're getting into it like that's going to deter people from giving it a chance i don't know it it does feel like we're living in katie perry's song wide awake like we have fallen from cloud nine <laughs> <laughs> yeah to come out on what like was it the last day of pride month that psalm swift got canceled and this network used to be known for its diversity and inclusion and representation and yet another show renowned for that bites the dust and like how many episodes are it for like it never stood a chance and arena maybe arena in the summer didn't work in its favor i don't know but there was so much working against it and it's just sad it's gone the predictable right after all it is especially because like it didn't have its parent show because nancy drew wasn't on and won't be back until 2023 and then like Putting it after Superman and Lois didn't help because those two shows are not similar by any standard of the imagination. Like, I truly wish if the mole was going to listen to anything, mm-hmm. it should have listened to Reed's idea to put the show of like, was it before Dynasty, right? Like, so it would before. be, it would have, like, they're similar. It's just that the tones are great. Like, I just feel like the, the viewers for Dynasty would be this similar to the viewers for Tom Swift. It's just, it's just a pair that would have worked. Charmed went off anyway. So just, you could have waited and put Tom in. And doesn't Nancy live on Fridays anyway? Mm-hmm. It just felt kind of natural. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I don't want to go easy on them with this one. I don't want to like give them the benefit of the doubt just with everything that's going on. Just because this show, I would argue, is one of the most important on the network. Maybe not by the, um, maybe not by like money wise or anything, but like just its storytelling and its representation. And of course, we don't have to renew shows because of those reasons, but it just feels like they never, as you said, gave this show a chance to really thrive and to show what it can do. Like it's just getting started. And it feels very unfair. Like, so the other shows at least got to finish their season. And then you had the discussion about like, how is it going to be doing on streaming? And Tom's not going to really get that. I mean, yes, the, the episodes are streaming on CWTV.com and the CW app. And they're still pushing that very heavily online. But like when people like, oh, Tom Swift, someone's like, oh, I got canceled. Like, oh, well, I'm not watching. Like you already like shot them in the foot. The only thing that I, I guess I could say that I'm very hopeful for is that they are shopping the show. So hopefully it can land on, it's not landing on a network, that's for sure. Hopefully it goes to Paramount Plus. I'm going to manage my expectations for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but I mean, I hope it works out somehow. I do too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like at this point, everybody's doing a save campaign. Who likes a CW show? There are so many hashtags save, save uh, this show. And right now, floating around Twitter, and they all seem to be coming from the CW. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just, how are we at this point? Yeah, like, where did that era come from? <laughs> it's bleak, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do not like this transitional period. I think the only good news that we've received, and it's not for Tom Swift, obviously, it's that All American Homecoming went from HBO Max to Netflix. Though the reporting said that it never landed on HBO Max. I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw all 13 of those episodes on the day it was supposed to land on HBO Max. But thankfully it's on Netflix now with its parent show and it's going to get that sweet, sweet Netflix bump. Mm -hmm. I feel like I misspoke though, because I do think All American Homecoming is one of the most important shows storytelling wise on the network. But I also do think... um, 
it's this just proves like how messy everything is with these these poor shows on this network <laughs> no one knows like if they're coming or going <laughs> yeah and on like i do love that for them that they're finally on netflix because the uh, iconic netflix bump is what helps a lot of these shows and hbo max is definitely on its way up but like it just it doesn't have the reach that netflix does so yes it's messy that they got there but i'm, I'm finally glad that they did because we did say before that it was kind of like separating twins it didn't make sense to have a show so closely connected to its parent show not on the same streamer as it especially when that streamer had a big impact in making all american such a success in the first place so i hope it has the same kind of effect for homecoming because the right streaming service can have the right effect and netflix is usually the right streaming service for this kind of thing so i hope it works out for them i hope so too i can't wait to see what these fall numbers look like once uh, the new season premieres um because it should get a healthy bump mm-hmm. in the live audience once um <laughs> once everyone makes it through season one on netflix um which to continue talking about how messy the cw has been mm-hmm. um Michael, I'm going to turn it over to you, but like the, I will say this one thing about how everyone was like, Starkle's not coming in the summer and the CW was like, she is, but wait, there's a catch. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I'm buzzing about that. Everybody's like, the schedule doesn't make sense. I'm like, guys, it's okay. Stargirl's back in the summer by one measly day, but she's back in the summer. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, it, it's been a Stargirl week. So I lead with this. They dropped the season three trailer. It was a breath of fresh air. It still says coming soon, but now we know when that soon is. It will premiere on August 31st, which is a Wednesday. And uh, Joel McHale is a series regular in it this season around. So you get to see what, how Starman and Stargirl interact because he was always that recurring presence in the background that was dead, but turns out he's not dead after all. She's taken over. Now he comes back. How will that affect their dynamic? All of that plays into the trailer. It looks like it's going to be another fun, lighthearted season. And that's what Stargirl does best. So I feel like if we need that kind, if we need anything from the CW, it's fun and lightheartedness. And Stargirl has that in spades. Um, the season subtitled Frenemies because they start working with their enemies for, for uh, to fight an even greater evil. So it'll be fun. It'll be light, and it'll be the superhero show we need this year because we're not getting any more until next year. Um, but yeah, the trailer was fun, and that kind of paved the way nicely for the announcement of the, I say schedule, we had a schedule, but now we have dates. And it is the most strangest date. I have already led with the fact that we get Stargirl on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. starting from August 31st. But even though that's the summer, this is not a summer schedule, folks. It's a fall (laughs) schedule. And we have to wait a long time for any other shows to join it. Because what do we have next? Family Law on Sunday, (laughs) October 2nd. Let's talk about Family Law. Oh, God. It's an acquisition. <laughs> <Like>. What Reed <laughs> said. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just, Don't you love starting the fall on with a show that's no one knows? <laughs> I, I think it's it's amazing. I think it's just the stellar choice. It's the absolute <laughs> best decision they could have made was to leave the fall schedule with not one, but two acquisitions. There's not a single CW original landing for the fall in the front. It's it's family law on um, coroner season four. Mm. And I'm like, it's even more puzzling that after Sunday, October second, we don't get anything else until Wednesday, October fifth. Like mm-hmm. they usually start with a Monday, but we're not starting with a Monday until the tenth with All American. Why not start that week? No. yeah and especially to we've talked about this before but like kicking off your new sunday night bringing sunday night back resurrecting sunday night with two acquisitions one of which people probably haven't heard of the other one which is very long in the tooth at this point yeah this is not the same as the supergirl batwoman launch we had a few years ago for sunday nights this i don't think this is going to resurrect sunday nights in the way they're hoping it will 
No, no, I don't think so at all. And the show that's coming on Wednesday, by the way, on October 5th is Kung Fu season three, which I have said this so many times in the group chat. I might have also put it in the um, my articles about Kung Fu season three because I'm so scared for it. It's a mid-season show landing in the fall of the CW Dozen promo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like if there's numbers come in terrible those first two weeks, it's the CW's fault. Like, please promote this show. And it's Supergirl will have already been on for about a month. Right. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make sense because they're not only are they kicking it off with the 10 p or the 9 p.m. slot, they're kicking it off after a show that's been on for a long time. I think Stargirl and Kung Fu is a really good way of bumping mm-hmm. them together. Those two shows were renewed at the same time. They've kind of, even though they're completely different, they've kind of worked well together over, they've been promoted the same way, the similar audience, but why not start them at the same time? That, the, and this is coming from someone who wants Stargirl in the summer, but like, <laughs> why not start them at the same time? Is it like a double act? This, this is going to be some of the most action we get in the fall and this, that's a weird thing to say because the CW is known for its action, but those are probably going to be the two most action-packed shows in the fall. Why not start them at the same time? Because if, if we don't have a lot of it, at least we can enjoy them together. But like Stargirl will be pretty long, long into its run by the time Kung Fu shows up. And that won't bode well for a, a season premiere uh, uh, coming in the later slot. Well, I think then that the because we're not getting superhero shows, they're going to front load action dramas as much mm-hmm. as they can. Um, so we're getting on Thursday the walker universe expanding um i say that with so much joy (laughs) (laughs) we're so excited for walker thursdays i know it's october 6th walker thursdays yeah i'll be there at nine for walker independence then but yay to the walker fans like so happy about the third season yeah, y'all are eating. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as it should be. I mean, those numbers do not do not lie. Yeah. There is definitely an audience. And then, like you said, read on Monday we get All American Mondays back on October 10th, which I'm excited for that. I am oh, excited yeah. for that. The mm-hmm. only two sports dramas on the network that have managed to survive, and hopefully, hopefully they continue to do so. Um, yeah, I can't fault a double Monday for All American. It's the only the only illogical thing about it is that it's so late into the schedule. But like it worked last season, it it makes sense to bring it back. It's true. I wish it was like I wish it was the lead. It would mm. make more sense yeah. to kick that off as the as the fall schedule. Um, but it's not. We get family law. So. <laughs> Uh, and then on Tuesday, October eleventh, we get the Winchesters. The I guess the new show that I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. Same. Yep. Yep. Definitely. You know how much I was excited for Gotham Knights, but nope, the Winchester's <laughs> just taking that slot. Um, yes. And on paper, prefer uh, pairing it with a show like Professionals, which is the 9 p.m. slot, does make sense. But again, you have the acquisition problem. Will they go together? We'll say. But I do think that if the CW is hoping for success, it was wise to pair the Winchester's in the iconic tuesday night slot it's usually reserved for superhero shows personally i would have liked to have seen stargirl hold that but it makes sense for them to promote their biggest arguably maybe bestest new show in the iconic tuesday 8 p.m slot fingers crossed it works out for it because that looks like a hoot <laughs> i think it will i think it's in the 8 p.m slot so that's like the best thing about it mm-hmm. like they didn't put professionals first which they yeah. could have um and that that was the best decision not to do that yeah, no, 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 we don't need that. I mean, I wouldn't have put it past them this season with all their, all their acquisitions, but no, that wouldn't have made sense. I'm, I'm glad we have Winchester's early. And our last piece of news is that Casey Waffle is going to be back on our screens, not as a superhero, though, um, because unfortunately Naomi did suffer the CW acts, but she will be on Queen Sugar's final season, which is an Ava DuVernay project anyway, so they'll be paired up again. And there has not been any news about what her role is going to be, but personally, I'm just excited that she is going to be in this iconic show. I love Queen Sugar. Yeah, I'm glad for her as well, because she had, that was such, like this time last year, The World at Your Feet, new superhero show on on CW that was related to a DC character. And like, who would have known the year that awaited all the MDC shows or CW shows? So I'm just glad for her to be back on TV and reunited with Eva as well, because uh, 
she she has so much potential as an actor and it's weird to take yourself out of it now and look back on the Naomi situation and how it how it ended up given that unfortunately it just wrapped us the CW was starting their bloodbath feel like Naomi had a lot of potential and that a lot of that was down to Casey so I'm glad she's back on her screens same I will say I think HBO Max should have taken Naomi and I'm not really sure why they didn't yeah and that would have made sense I think of most of them anyway um this has been a year of poor decisions by the CW <laughs> and um, I'm sure they'll continue. <laughs> well, yeah, they will, because now we're going into the Riverdale catch up. And mm-hmm. um, I have to say season six is not it. Um, we're going to start with listener listener requests first in terms of like what we're going to be talking about in this catch up starting. You know, it's it's I'm so sorry. All it's heavy loaded with Barchi at first. Um, I we mean, <laughs> we do have this, but it's so. Um, Barchi's origin asked us to talk about the final scene in episode 17, which is the Barchi love confession. And I have to say, I screamed. (laughs) (laughs) I was, it's been a long time coming. I think this has been my favorite scene in this season because I know at some point, I've, I've said it somewhere, I don't know if it was on the podcast or somewhere else. So apologies to anybody listening to me just say that um I've said that I wanted more like human character moments Mm -hmm. and this season wasn't really providing those and this felt like what I'd been missing from the show for far too long Mm -hmm. yeah and shockingly it may have been my favorite scene from the season and you know how I feel about Barclay (laughs) but that really highlights how it it's strong in comparison to everything else the season is doing and completely from like a standard point of view. It was such a great character moment. And there have literally been like no other character moments this season. Not, not to put the moment down, it was wonderful, but it didn't have an awful lot of competition. There hasn't been an awful lot of deep, meaningful moments this season, which is why, yeah, I was sitting watching that enthralled. I was like, where, where has this been all season? Where, where have these characters been? And it was really nice to see, particularly because Betty and Archie spent far too much time apart, considering the fact they're supposed to be together. Um, usually when the pocket character is off, it's to keep them apart. So it's weird to see this like unit that they are constantly in separate storylines. That doesn't work for me. And I think what that scene did is it highlighted some of the other major issues with the season. It was wonderful. And it was great to get into their history. They do have a lot of history and I have no problem admitting that. But I think that also did the, the, the show a disservice because it highlighted how weak the show around it actually is. And yeah. it just showed how much, in my opinion, how much chemistry KJ and Lily have mm. as performers. I don't know, they're just really good together in my in my opinion. Yeah, they are. The, the way that the scene is framed where it's just them on the couch. And it's a lot of like, I want to say like up close shots of their faces and their reactions. It feels very intimate, which is like, I think a core part of their relationship. Whenever they have a moment where they get to slow down and talk about their feelings, it is very vulnerable. And we always, there's always a through line to their past together. I love that she finally like got to hear about the goodness he sees in her in a more positive way rather than him being like, I don't want to taint you. It was more like you're not tainted, um, especially because she's been focusing on this poor cat that she killed as a child. And he was like, what well, do you remember the bird we saved? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I see goodness in you. I see nothing but goodness in you. And I love you for it. Um, and it was just a very lovely moment. Um, I do love when we get to like have some vulnerability that's not just a one minute scene. And then, you know, we're back into the craziness. I like that it ended the episode um, for an episode as filled as it was. We got that one quiet moment that these two definitely deserved. And I'm just happy about it. I'm happy about a lot of the Barchi content. No, Astro Latte wanted us to talk about Betty being Archie's destiny, which is a point a YouTuber named Kai Nicole made. Um, and I would agree. And I do think it is hard, you know, when you're um, someone who doesn't ship those two and you're waiting for your ship to come back into the story that it's hard to recognize the points in the plot that are continuing to push you past um, a, a line of, of getting back to what you want. So I think for Bucket Shippers and Varchie Shippers, season six has been hard. 
um, especially because they are they are very, very, very much laying the groundwork for an endgame Barchi. Does that mean we're getting an endgame Barchi? Not necessarily. Because according to Tabitha, I was getting yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> she took should the wind right out of myself. Yeah. Yes, we, we should. Yeah. I was irritated. And I was irritated because what she said is true. Because if you go with comics canon, that's accurate. But like, it was not necessary, especially after Veronica already saw that Betty is Archie's heaven, like their life together and a family together, including his dog, Vegas, is what he considers to be the sweet hereafter. And for her to sit there and be like, oh, you know, after Tabitha gives that revelation, I was like, girl, please, why do they keep doing this to you? We're reaching pathetic levels and I don't like it. Yeah. Remember in season two, when it was it the first time they started using the term endgame? And Jughead was something like a Varchie kiss right here in the present could prevent a future bughead from imploding. And everyone was like, why are they using these terms in such like a meta outlandish kind of way? And now here we are for five seasons later, and they're still talking about who's end game. Not only does it show how like crazy the show's gotten, but like it feels like they've been having this conversation in, in like ways trying to be clever so many times now. And this is the most clever of them all and that we literally have someone who can see the future and we have like Varchi versus Barchi 50 50 it could go either way Roberta we know it can go either way we don't need you to tell us <laughs> um I don't know that cons- everything you said about the Barchi moment at highlighted destiny all of that I was 90% agreeing with you and then the other 10% was like but literally they undercut all of it by having Tabitha say in the last minutes of the last episode but actually, it could go the other way. It just it just feels like it's so obvious. Like, we're leading up to the final three episodes of the season. So they're, like, throwing in romantic drama where it doesn't necessarily belong. Like, I don't know. It just feels like they did all this work. And I know there are people that strip the other couples that are still, like, holding out hope. But it, this far in the series, it's like, what are we still... I think Sabrina said best. Why are we still doing this to Veronica? Why hasn't she moved on? And it just, to me, it didn't seem um, relevant to her character to still be pining after Archie out of nowhere. And I know she's sort of like in this weird like rut, having just like ended things with Reggie and everything that she's gone through this season. So she's kind of like, what am I doing with my life? And I hope that they don't pursue her trying to backslide with Archie and potentially destroying her friendship with Betty as a means of her to get out of this rut. Because I don't think that's um, productive for her character. It's not. And like, just to put like the, well, I wouldn't even say it's a Barchie hat. It's like a just analysis thing. So when she's, when we fall back into the, I miss Archie hole. She's watching Betty and Archie dance and there's a song playing by Sabrina Claudio and the lyrics of the song are about being in love with the perfect version of somebody, knowing that your relationship with them is actually toxic. And that's one of the lyrics that plays over um, Betty and Archie. Like, yeah, you can interpret it as those two seeing perfect in each other and they're not perfect. But because it's from Veronica's perspective, the song actually shows that she is putting too much. She's projecting on Archie because she's lonely. And so I'm just like, can we please get her to that point? Because the one thing that Tabitha didn't know is what Archie's heaven is. So she's saying, she's giving her this news about like, I saw in um, almost the same amount of futures you with, with Archie. And I'm just like, please stop re- leading her down this road. Because it's not the road to that information? I think she was, go- she was going to say it. And then Archie died. And then, and everyone was dying around them. Like, so, and so she, she tabled it. Um, which I, and so for a dramatic effect, we get it at the end of the episode. I'm just like, please, please cut Veronica loose. I want her to be able to go back to New York if she wants to. And um, she's not staying in Riverdale with Archie. Why do we keep pretending? She, yeah, and she, had, she had just talked to Betty a few episodes ago about not pursuing her like work crush on Agent mm-hmm. Drake. So it's like, mm-hmm. what are they doing with Veronica? What are we doing? I don't know. It, 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 it's really bothersome because when she did the whole Black Widow, I say she did, she's still doing it, the whole Black Widow thing this season. 
I, I, I originally was like, oh, could this be like Varchi Endgame here? Because he's a, he, he's practically immortal. He can't be killed. And uh, she she can't be intimate with anyone because she could kill them. It's like, well, clearly that's setting that up. And then they did that in the next episode where they had Betty had that sweet moment. You you can have your last kiss with Archie because um, he'll, he'll be okay. Your poison ivy effect won't work on him. And then it's like, okay, well, they did that. That was interesting. We moved on. But then Veronica didn't move on and she's stuck in the same rut. And then to flash back to a few episodes, Jughead, when he was sifting through Betty's memories, all of a sudden got overwhelmed by all of their memories together. And so much so that he had a text Tabitha and was like, I miss you, please come home. Because he was worried that he was starting to have feelings for Betty again. And then they completely dropped that storyline and we haven't heard from it since. Like, this is Riverdale. That's going to come back up. You know what I mean? Um, so between... I feel like they're trying to set up the final season, but like not be too obvious about it. But Riverdale's obvious about everything. So I feel like that's really drawn attention to it. So that the, the final season is going to be about who's end game. And I'm like, have we not passed that point at this point? We should be. Cause it feels like at least for Betty and Archie, they're fine and secure. And I like, Betty's not insecure about Veronica at all. She wasn't even bothered when she couldn't go get Archie herself and she had to send Veronica. She was like, she can go. And she was like, she was, <laughs> she was completely fine. And then um, Veronica made that ex-boyfriend comment. And I was like, girl, you've been fine with them all season. Why are you acting up now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's useless drama. And I just don't, I don't care for it. We can dead the love triangle because it actually doesn't exist in the text right now mm-hmm. it's just two people who Jughead may have suppressed feelings which that wouldn't be surprising and Veronica's lonely like if they want to build a path back to Varchi and Bughead they need to do so better because mm-hmm. I'm annoyed <laughs> I think my favorite thing they did with Veronica in this last few batch of episodes was when Tony asked her to plan the wedding and she sort of had an identity crisis and then she had that musical meltdown. I thought that was amazing. And as always, Camila killed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just love that scene. Like no one, when she was like singing at people and like having that full breakdown and people's faces were just like, what is she doing? I thought that was incredible. I loved it. <laughs> it was an amazing musical performance. I think um, between her and Lily, the, the musical performances in the episodes that we caught up on were fantastic. Uh, I do love that she was like, she's toasting everybody. And then she's like, toast to the singles. And I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it snowballed and we got more like, wait a minute, what's going on here with every lyric? Yes. I loved it. I loved it so much. But moving away from the love, love triangle, one more listener request was from E is Fabulous, which is a two-parter. Uh, she'd like us to talk about Sabrina's real goal, which was to um, get in some time with Jughead, but use Nick Scratch's excuse, which I don't think that's what happened. Um, and also, why does Cheryl have no problem living among the dead? Mm. Cheryl doesn't have many issues with anything. She will do whatever no matter the consequence i mean she had that doll in her house jason's dead body like she doesn't care (laughs) no i actually liked it i was like of course given the opportunity she would like but it did show growth because she didn't just bring back jason jason she brought back his family yeah (laughs) because she wants him to be happy too so it's like so it's like if you think about um riverdale season one cheryl it would just been jason and polly could have just stayed in this week hereafter but she brought everybody because it's a big blossom family now <laughs> who was the child that's dagwood who dagwood dagwood died oh i didn't know that <laughs> yeah they mentioned it like a, she's like yeah dagwood she then when they listed everybody she said that dagwood died but it's like one line and so when this child comes back you're like oh yeah that's that's dagwood i forgot he was dead wait he died yes because he's older than um what is the, oh, the young duh. one's name? His sister. I don't remember. Um, Dagwood and Juniper. Juniper. Juniper and Dagwood. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's older than um, Juniper. I don't know about how many minutes, but he is. Yeah. Where is Juniper? Not important, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I mean, I know it's not important, but they shuffle these children back and forth. She might have been with Alice briefly. Because um, they pick and choose when Alice is safe to have these kids. And I was going, yeah. And then did, did Daddy <laughs> take them off her for a while? <laughs> and then the next episode, totally besties again. Um, no, I feel like this is going to come back to bite Cheryl. It, first of all, it always does in Riverdale. And second of all, 
she's brought back people who have been dead for years and they were very specific in saying that that could have a negative side effect and Cheryl just can't be happy. So I've dark days ahead for Cheryl once again. And then Heather was like, you did what now? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I had to try. It's, like, it's not just one person, Cheryl. How many people did you bring back? <laughs> yeah, Heather looked worried. Yes, because she knows more. I actually, I like Heather. Is she somewhat of a plot device? Yes, but I do like her. I like her more than the most recent episode. I will say that because I know I was telling you guys, like, I, I don't understand what she's up to in these episodes anymore, but I really liked her. She at least yeah. is explaining some things. Yeah, and- without a doubt. <laughs> That's basically what she's relied on for. Yes. Um, but as far as Sabrina went, I enjoyed her arc this episode far better than I did in Riverdale. I don't think it was an excuse to get close to Jughead because she did not know Jughead. Um, but I do think it was an opportunity for comics fans to get a little excited because those two are friends in the comics. I don't think they have a, a romantic relationship um, in the Jughead or Sabrina comics, but they are close. Um, and so for them to be able to interact, even though it really wasn't Jughead in that one sequence was fun. Um, and I know I said to y'all that I was upset as a Nick and Sabrina shipper that they did this on this show, but I actually thought it was kind of sweet once I act, once I watched it in context rather than reading the tweets from online. Um, I do think though, that if you haven't watched Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you are probably lost in the sauce. Like who is this man and why does it matter that he's back? Yeah, I didn't know where things ended with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because I did not finish it. Like, I knew some things from just, like, writing about it. I knew sort of how it ended, but, like, I don't... I didn't really get, like, why that was important for her to bring him back in Jughead. And I just thought it was funny that they've used Jughead twice to be a different character this season, at least that I can think of. (laughs) It was just... It made me laugh. (laughs) It wasn't a nice bit of closure, but I, I, didn't, I haven't finished Sabrina yet either. So I can say, yeah, it would definitely be weird watching it without that kind of context of knowing who these people are. I'm sure everyone knows who Sabrina is, but it's still, it, it still relied heavily on having seen that show to understand the story. It, it, it worked well as a plot device because since Jughead wouldn't come back, they needed an excuse to keep his body alive for longer. So filling it with Nick made sense. But yeah, maybe you would have needed more context. But the scenes were lovely. And I have to say, Kieran did a great job. Um, I, I love seeing Sabrina and I was very let down by the first appearance so it was really nice to see her have like a proper official role I couldn't have done this without her and that's basically all you want from Sabrina walking in at the last minute and saving the day and she pulled it off yes she was so nonchalant too she's like it took me a while but I'm here also <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing but we're gonna do a little dance we're gonna sign our names we're gonna do a little chanting I'm gonna call my pal Sharon um, or is it Karan I don't know how to pronounce it um, but and he, by the way, that was so I love this episode, um, Sabrina's episode, because it was hilariously bad in a good way yeah. um, in terms of like everything that they did. I love when like the um, the seam, not semen, the river, guard, the, the guy who, who guards the river sticks. I can't pronounce <laughs> his name. Um, Caron, Sharon, something. Um when he creeps through the door and like um, Lily is giving great face because she's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just wandering around the bodies and collecting the coins. And I was like, this is what I missed about Riverdale. I, I love how campy it is, how weird it is and how absolutely bad it can be in such the best way. See, I need to rewatch this episode because when I was watching it, I was like, what is going on? What is <laughs> happening? I was just like completely dumbfounded and just because this season has been so up and down scheduling wise that I've kind of been like in and out in and out it just felt like I haven't had like a consistent thread but hearing it from your guys's perspective I kind of want to go back and give Sabrina another chance because after I watched it I was like I don't know if this was I do I hadn't I was I had no idea (laughs) (laughs) I I, I have said maybe it's because I binge watched the last sex in a row seeing that kind of campy and off the wall stuff it it doesn't always work and believe me it didn't in that episode but compared to some of the stuff that the other that the rest of the show was doing this can't be ridiculous off the wall nonsensical episode about Sabrina Spellman bringing people back from the dead with this like weird demon wandering through the living room to take their souls to the suite hereafter 
it was so much more interesting than watching Percival Pickens try to just just dissect the town over and over and over again. So maybe that made it look better in hindsight, but it was a lot more enjoyable than what the show has been doing recently. And you see that with the flash sometimes that the standalone weird episodes work better than the overall bland story. And that was definitely the case of this for me. It, it was gothic and it was weird and some of it didn't make sense, but it was a heck of a lot more enjoyable than what the rest of the season was doing. Let me ask you guys, cause you guys watched them all like um, in a row did it feel tonally like inconsistent? Like one episode did this thing and this episode did another thing and maybe they dropped a plot thread from episode to episode? Because every time I watched an episode of the season, it feels like the previous episode doesn't really connect mm-hmm. to the next episode. Yeah, I feel like that as well. I, it was more obvious, I think, the last time I did the binge watch because you can sense they're starting to tie the threads through to bring the season to an end. But and then they did the whole Sabrina thing, which was totally standalone and unrelated to what came next. But like all in all, yeah, I agree with that. Like, yes, Percival's always at the center of it, but there's always a different story. There was the one about Tabitha traveling back in time, which was completely different to all, all the stuff that Archie's been doing with the union storylines. And it feels like they're trying to be realistic while also working with supernatural stuff. And it it, le- it makes every episode feel really jarring to the next one. Then you had the Veronica Black Widow one, which was totally different to everything else they were doing. None of them really go together. And they're starting to do so better as the season gets on, but that doesn't make the storylines good. <laughs> that might be mean to say, but that's <laughs> how I feel. Um, I think I was okay about like the how the tone was going. I think it's because I latched on to the to the save the town storyline and the whole mess with the unions as my way of pulling me through the plots. But like, if you don't hold on to that plot, it definitely does feel like you're ricocheting back and forth between points. And that's mostly because the characters are inconsistent. Um, They pick and choose when they're, when Kevin is um, Mm -hmm. on their sides and when he's not, it's convenient when he's, um, when they need a performance. Oh, Kevin's still working for Percival, but we need someone to do the, um, to be the performer at the slaughter con. So that's what he's going to do. Oh, Kevin said he's no longer working with Percival and he dropped the case. So Kevin, you can come to the wedding. Like, but you've been fighting with him for episodes. I don't understand. Or um, I don't really know what they're doing with Alice. Seemed like she was working with Percival. Now she's not working with Percival, but she's still being awful. But we she still wasn't even need- in this episode, right? No, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do want to know. <laughs> But Riverdale's track record, she might not even know that Paul is alive before Paul gets sent back to the sweet hereafter. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's going to be a mess. Oh, and then, um, what's his face? Chip. He was back. For why? Who? Or what's, what's her brother's name? Oh, Charles. Chip? Charles. Charles. Okay. Yes. Chip was the fake one, wasn't he? From a few seasons oh, ago. Yeah. Charles, Charles was going to smother him and Betty was like, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, enough murder has happened in this house. Is if you are correct. <laughs> I don't know why Alice is okay with smothering him with a pillow. What, where did he end up? Is he, what's his, is he alive? He's yeah. alive. Yeah. Veronica um, basically did like a blood transfusion type of thing with her powers. I don't know. I got lost when they started trying to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's because what's his location. Um, is he like in the house still? He, this is what doesn't make sense. Trash, <laughs> the trash bag killer showed up kidnapped Alice and Charles, but like kept them in the house tied up. And then he was like, come on, Betty, let's kill them together. And he, the trash bag killer also slaughtered the FBI agent that was watching Charles, but Betty stopped TBK. And now I think Charles is living in the house, but I'm like, he's still a prisoner. Like he has to go back to jail now that he's better. And they haven't followed through on that because it's not important to the plot. Let's get into TBK. That kind of fizzled, right? Mm-hmm. It did, but I think it's going to come back. Because yeah, because like it ha- it Drake. ended too quickly. Yeah, well, I think he's dead. Like the person who was supposed to be trash bag killer is dead. But I also oh. think Drake is pulling the strings. Oh, so you think it was like a team effort, like a like Scream? I Wait, think you that... haven't even watched Scream, have you? I always make no, scream I have reference. Not. I always make Scream <laughs> references, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was gonna be like, I'm gonna let him leave that reference, and everyone who's listening can like, okay, cool. be like, yes. <laughs> well, in Scream, there's usually like two killers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, well, she's would be, I think Drake is the one pulling the strings. So, like, I don't think it's a partnership. I think that she was commanding. 
I mean, I'd hope that character would have a purpose. She came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was totally jarring. I know Reed mentioned it before, but like even watching it, knowing that she literally goes from zero to to 100 to then when the storyline no longer leads her back to zero again. And she was there in every scene and like things didn't make sense. Why was Betty spilling, sitting, spilling the tea about how Alice murdered someone decades ago and buried them under the floorboards to another FBI agent who she'd never interacted with before? Mind control. (laughs) (laughs) That would make so much more sense. why, why did she suddenly know all about Veronica's condition? And is she a doctor as well? Telling Veronica what was wrong with her. Why was she at uh, uh, Tony's bachelorette party when she never interacted with this woman before? Drake was literally yeah. everywhere. And then she admitted she had feelings for Betty. Betty was like, maybe I have feelings for you. Veronica got in the middle of it and sorted it out. She was like, see you tomorrow, Drake. And then the next episode, Betty spilling her soul to a different FBI agent. And Drake's nowhere to be seen. What was the point in that storyline? But she leaves with with DDK dies. I think they do. I will say this is the only, I mean, I am very conspiracy theory about this. I just truly feel like it's interesting that Drake leaves town the same um, after DDK is killed. And there's no, like, no one cares that she's gone. As I so you're a plot device who will come back most likely in season seven. No, 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 no. I can't, I, ooh, ooh, (laughs) spiritually, I cannot handle any of the storylines from the season carrying over into season seven. We need to wrap up Percival, we need to wrap up TVK and do something different for season seven. Yeah, Yeah. and drop superpowers altogether. Um, Yeah, and I can, Jughead, wake up. (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, yeah, the TBK thing's been a major letdown. And I know we mentioned, was it on our live episode, I think? Why does why was that the story that needed to spill over into the next season? I get the pandemic season. Obviously, a lot of storylines had to be carried over. But when season five wrapped, they, they, they decided not to wrap everything up and to let stories spill into the next season. Why was TBK one of them when they're literally picking and choosing when he shows up, when Betty's worried about them? One episode, she's like, I have to get out of time to protect everyone. The next episode, she suddenly ventures back into Archie's house at the end of the episode. It was like, I lost him on the highway. And I'm like, well, he'd follow you back to Riverdale, clearly. So like, why, why, why are they, why are they picking and choosing when to start this, when to stop this? And there was such an emphasis on who he was. And then there was that episode a few months ago where he fought Archie and on, in the root in the attic of their house, fell out the window without his mask. And Archie was like, clearly he was that builder. And it was like, was, was that it? And yeah, then that was boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Betty shot him this week, didn't unmask him. So was he the builder? Was he not the builder? What, what, we place such an emphasis on who he was and then that didn't matter to the story. So I think the only way this can work is if Drake was secretly the one pulling the strings all along because they need to put an emphasis on who this person was when because they didn't at the end and that was such a letdown. Yeah, one more plot hole that I want to bring up before we leave Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one episode where at the end Betty like saw her own aura in the mirror Mm. so she was like Mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure like looking back if that was meant to like um be like a cliffhanger like something that we should be like looking to moving forward or if it was just something that wrapped up her story in that particular episode because I know she had seen it in Dagwood or something Mm -hmm. so I'm just like and she hasn't been like seeing any auras like her headaches have gone away or like she just hasn't talked about them. She was wearing her glasses in the Pretty Little Liars graveyard scene <laughs> at the beginning of Sabrina's episode. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to bring up the her seeing her aura in the mirror because like they never really returned to that or maybe that was just the beginning of her unpacking her own like fear of herself that she talked about with Archie. I don't know. I wanted to bring that up because I was reading recaps this morning and I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) rewind. (laughs) I think it is probably, it was a part of the Betty sees darkness in herself storyline and therefore sees herself as a threat to other people because of it. I don't think it was handled that well. Um, Subtle, I think for me. Yeah. Not that I needed to be spoon fed, but it was just like, they didn't really do anything else with that overtly. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they were trying. Darkness. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like they were trying to be um, thematic with that. And Riverdale doesn't do thematic. Riverdale does big, bold like storylines. Like it batters us over the head with this kind of stuff. And yeah, I she's seen a lot of people as threats who aren't yet threats. And I think that's what it wants us to work towards. I don't know the fact that the fact that she saw Al- she saw Alice as a threat when she got angry, didn't she? And then the next episode, they were besties again. So I don't know. I feel like they want. I feel like they want us to believe that it can come and go, but I don't know if. I, I think now that she's unpacked her own stuff, she may not see that again, and I don't know if that's an acceptable ending to that story, because I think they just wanted her to accept herself as she is, and that's fine. But why would she see herself as a threat to people she loves? Because I think she's always seen herself as a threat to people she mm-hmm. loves. I mean, like that's the which I wanted her to get past that. I think we're getting there. Um, I, it's, I think it's a character um, arc that's been around for too long. Mm-hmm. Like, just please let yeah. Betty stop thinking this about herself so we can get to other storylines that Lily can act and do well in. Because I think we need to drop it. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of work to be done in these last three episodes that I'm like, come on, we can do it. Land the plane <laughs> and we can move on to the final season and <laughs> do something else. Yeah, I think they will because of the Riverdale stuff. Which my favorite part was the jughead in the bunker. Um, if we're getting past Barch's stuff, it's it's that because I think that was the best way to have the two. It, I think it's a um, mm-hmm. the veil is thin in the bunker, so he's actually interacting with both Riverdale and his own world. Hence, why we see Riverdale's jughead, who I assume will be in the next episode. I have not watched the promo, um, but as we're getting down to the wire, hopefully, a lot of this starts to make at least Riverdale sense, if not complete sense. Fingers crossed. We can help. (laughs) And pray. (laughs) Okay, moving on to what else um, that we've been watching. We have our Tom Swift catch-up. It's a mini one compared to Riverdale. But again, it's one of my favorite shows on the CW, and a lot has happened uh, for Tom. I was... Well, we have two episodes to cover, but I will say just the most recent episode, he seems to have gotten better about interacting with his mm-hmm. team. And I wonder if it's because his mom let him in on um, the Tubman group situation. And so not everybody knows about what's going on with his dad. Mm-hmm. And I think we did mention, wasn't it, at the end of the fifth episode that there were character issues there. And maybe now looking back, that was intentional to set up those two episodes because that was definitely a journey for him. And he mm-hmm. got there. Those episodes did the most, I tell you. Um, we, you th- we thought watching Superman and Lois and Tom Swift back to back was intense. Watching Tom Swift and Tom Swift back to back is very intense. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had that whole... Um... What Alice in Borderlands, Squid Game, Saw situation going on, um, as which I it was wild that it was Lorraine the entire time. Yeah, I didn't see the twist <laughs> coming. <laughs> I know we said Lorraine was such an interesting character, and she maybe it's just because I know the actress from Supergirl, where she played more of a colonel uh, military role. But I definitely got those like elements from Lorraine as well. And that she was very composed at wanted her son to be the best that he can be. And she was written as an obstacle on many occasions. But even with all of that, I did not see that twist coming. I was like, what? When she revealed herself. There were so many moments in these last two episodes that had me shaken. The um, In the most recent one, I don't remember his name, but it's the politician guy that sends the kind oh, of yeah mm-hmm. when that i don't know anybody's name there was that new character that came in quinn yeah no it's not quinn he's new. The, well they're the, new sorry the uh the woman that came in to replace like claire or something who oh, was I like don't know intense her name. oh yeah. yeah and there was that scene with the car and the mm-hmm. person in the trunk i was like i wasn't expecting that to happen is she filmed it all yeah <gasps> He didn't, I don't understand why Eskel didn't expect that though. Like, sir, you have a whole knife and you don't think she's recording you right now? He didn't behind even you? like turn around and like see that, right? No, he didn't. <laughs> that, that's going to get played out of context and that's going to be <laughs> so loud because I, I, oof, I don't know what's going to happen next, but she sure seemed like she knew what was going to happen next. <laughs> She did. So what's interesting, I think, like you have Eskel and Rowan who I'm trying to pin down, like, do you believe in the road back? 
Or did you at once believe in the road back and now you can't leave? Like, what is going on with you two? Because they're both like, uh, Rowan is interested in Tom, but is doing the most when it comes to playing both sides. And Eskel is uh, doing the exact same thing as he tries to court Zenzi, but clearly his feelings are real. Um, so I'm just like, I don't, there's too much of this um, enemies to lovers <laughs> between both ships that have me like, mm-hmm. I need y'all to get like, please give us the line because I'm stressed. I don't yeah. know whether to trust them or not. Yeah. And I, I off the two storylines, it was the Eskel one that surprised me the most. I was pleasantly surprised because he's been written in a very like flat kind of like sleazy corporate corrupt politician who's clearly in in charge of the movement here and that episode did the most to undo that and that you see you know his feelings are actually real he's not the top dog he's just maybe a lieutenant in a big wider scheme there are other people above him that he answers to so that was more that that was an impressive twist and he saved Zenzi and he was nice and he apologized for what happened in the house in in their death in the previous episodes so that was nice but then almost too soon he's done something he can never come back from so it feels like even though he's not this main villain that we all need to be worried about he is still i don't want to say total it feels like they met when they moved him from to from redeemable to back to irredeemable very very quickly and i suppose that's very very good because the show is very intense like that but it's it'll be interesting to see where they go here from here on out because He's not the top dog now and there are other things in play here, but will he continue to be that presence? Will they still suspect that he's the, that he's the, uh, the main threat? So, I, yeah, I don't really know what to make of that episode. A lot went down and I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it, but I did enjoy that arc anyway. I was really shocked too that there's only three episodes left. There's only 10. I had, did we know that it was going to be 10? Oh, I forgot it was 10. I cannot believe we only have three episodes left. I know when they said three episodes left, I was like, wait, I was, I wait, I was, I, I made, I must've made up 13 episodes in my head. (laughs) I thought the same thing. Yeah. I can't, they have so much to do though then because. um, We're ending on a cliffhanger. It's Mm -hmm. confirmed. Well, I mean, I don't, I, did they say that? I'm just, that's my, that's my. I'm going to assume you're right. Yeah. I would assume as well. Because I mean, it's all, it was filmed before they got canceled. True. Okay. Now I'm sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but they um one of the great things that they see, they do in Tom Swift is they also see it in history. Um mm-hmm. and it's a lot of times tragic history, unfortunately. But Lorraine's talked to Tom about what happened to his sister Alexandria uh because of a doctor whose racial bias kept her from mm-hmm. getting the medical attention that she needed. And then her real like finding out that no, this is a thing that happens to a lot of black women. Um, that and that's the whole. I, I want to say that's the impetus for the um, the mountaintop project that'll establish a colony um, in um, assuming on Saturn uh, for Black people to have a safe haven against white supremacy. Like that whole last sequence, I was like, I got goosebumps. Goosebumps. I was shaking. It was like such a great moment, especially when um, Tom's like walking down the hall and you see all these pictures mm-hmm. of um, different figures, black figures in American history. And they showed Bayard Rustin. And I was like, yes, give that man his due. They've been doing it a lot more now. In fact, Netflix is, I think it's Netflix that's going to be doing a series starring Coleman Domingo as Bayard Rustin, um, which by the way, he was like a, um, for those who don't know who is listening, he worked very closely with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, during the civil rights movement. He was very impactful in his position, but he was also gay. So he was not given his due. I remember, that, I believe they wanted um, him not to be so much in the forefront and Martin wouldn't have it and neither would Coretta uh, because we're trying to liberate everybody. Everybody means everybody. Um, so I don't know, I really, I really like that choice. Um, I know I love the show. I love the show so much. <laughs> Something I forgot to say at the top, and this doesn't have to do with the content of the series, but I wanted to mention it. Um, Justice for Ashley Murray. It just feels like yeah. once again she got the short end of the stick from this network. That's all in the sentence and the <laughs> sentiment. I love her, and um, yeah, it's a bummer that she got canceled again on this network. It is, and she was she's killing it every episode. Yep. 
She has. Um, I when I started the most re- or the the second most recent episode, uh, it was the first one I watched as the news came out, and the episode opened with her, and that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, not again, and um, because, yeah, they did it to Lucy Hale. Now they're doing it to Ashley Murray. Oh, justice for. Her. I know this is why I want them to be able to pick up the show. Like it's very important, um, of course, but also I want Ashley to thrive on a show that clearly enjoys um, letting her flourish. Mm-hmm. And she's think, so many witty storylines. Yeah, and I think the show can really benefit from not being on a network. Mm-hmm. They can really mm-hmm. like not just push the envelope, as I like to say. They can open it a little bit. <laughs> yes, they can. I think God, um, there's just so much work they're doing on Tom Swift for all of the characters. I do think sometimes, obviously, in a first season, some of the ways that we get to um, certain plot points don't really get the due that they deserve just because there's some, there's uh, 10 episodes. But like Lino and Lorraine's argument was really good. And then mm-hmm. then he says, I call you out Lorraine, but I know you're really my mom. I was like, that wasn't earned. But mm-hmm. I appreciate, um, <laughs> I appreciate the moment between the two of them. Um, and Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, one of my favorite moments, by the way, is, well, two, uh, when we get all this backstory about um, Isaac and how he came in to work for the family. And when he comes, like, when um, Barton and Lorraine are going off to church and they're like, yeah, Tom said he was going to be working on something. Tom is not working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and Isaac has to send all those men out that room. He's like, no leave you're, it's it's over he's like you're hanging out with boys you don't have friends like boys in underwear is what he said and i was like oh not isaac being like get better friends i mean and he did he did in the end didn't he, he did. <laughs> it all paid off where it was did. the lie <laughs> it was there were no lies especially because that's like tom you letting them steal from you too it's one thing for y'all to be mm-hmm. partying together i mean that's fine that's whatever you want to do but they're stealing from you sir like yeah, that's yeah. friendship that really struck me that you can see how that friendship was formed now. The fact that Isaac wasn't afraid to stand up to him and say that all the good things he could do with his money. And I feel like that it did the show definitely portrayed it like that was pivotal, not just for Isaac, but for Tom, that friendship. And like then then it was always nice seeing how the had the jarring of how it flashed back from the, the past scene to, into the present and to see how how they did ultimately become such a great duo. I know. I love everybody in this show. I also love um, I'm still a shipper for Zenzi and um, Isaac, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I got a little little ping on the heart when she came running for him mm-hmm. and he was having a moment with Tom. And I was like, oh, it's, it's definitely a slow burn. I'm still rooting, but it's a slow yeah. burn. We would definitely get that in a, in a future season. Mm-hmm. If we get one. <laughs> Manifesting. <laughs> Manifesting. <laughs> Do you still want to go into your dynasty talk? Let's do some dynasty, guys. Because this, I think I have two episodes to talk about, but the most recent episode, I don't actually, I'm not sure if it's two episodes. I don't know. But the most recent episode, Blake and Ben go to court. And if there's one thing this show does well, it's go to court. (laughs) It's so ridiculous and fun and I don't want to get into the intricacies of the court case because I don't know if I could explain it I don't know the law Um, but it was so juicy and really good and of course Fallon helps she always comes she always has like this moral conflict with her father right Mm -hmm. like she knows that he's really he's done bad things and she learns about more horrible things that he's done that she didn't know about and it's some of the funniest stuff that um liz and grant got to do i think of the whole series in this actual episode it was just really funny um but she always comes out on the other side of these moral dilemmas with like helping her dad and it's something that i really need to think about because it's it says a lot about her character that she would help her dad through these things but she just she likes to she she values the truth more than anything and she saw the truth and it was about more than helping her dad it was about protecting their dynasty and image and being like no that's not what happened i was there listen to me but oh my god the whole episode liz was on fire i sent you guys the clip of her getting on the stand the greatest five seconds 
of the entire series. Um, <laughs> but also Charisma Carpenter was in the episode and she was amazing. Didn't have a huge role, but she walked into that courtroom like an icon, the icon that she is. Um, it was so good. I don't know. I just, I love the show so much, guys. And I just, there's something to be said about a show that you can turn on and no matter what it does, you know that you can unplug your brain and it's going to, it's going to deliver no matter what happens, no matter if you like the characters or what the story is, like you can be invested and you can just enjoy 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the episode was for me. And they did a lot of, um, not to keep babbling on, but they did a lot of like, circling back to things that had happened in previous seasons like before Anders that's a spoiler I won't go there but Kirby comes into a a little black book of the Carrington family secrets and let's just say Alexa stole that book and provided it to Ben oh it was just so juicy guys it was amazing just like soap heaven (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. And I'll, I say this every time you talk to us about when you catch us up on what's happening on Dynasty, but it, it really does seem like they use their warning really well. I mean, because this, you're like the circling back, that's a whole, that's a series um, finale sort of thing where you, if it's your final season, so you know you're going to keep seeding things into the season. So stuff starts making even more sense in the grander scheme of things. I mean, like kudos to them for using the time wisely. <laughs> I am really concerned about um, Fallon's baby because there's a development oh, with Adam. I just like love to hate the guy. Um, right. He, he kind of hits it off with the surrogate and oh, I'll go there in the final scene. Fallon walks in on Adam and the surrogate kissing and she, she, she hates this man so much. And it's just like another thing. She's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like worried about where they're going with the surrogacy storyline because I really want it to work out for Fallon and Liam. I don't want them to be like, JK, Stacy was never pregnant and Adam got her pregnant or something. Like, I don't know. I'm just like crossing my fingers. I know it's going to be like a wild soap opera ride, but I'm just hoping it's not as wild as I'm imagining. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> How many episodes do they have left? Um, I think this was 16 or 17 of 22. Okay. Yeah, but they're going to be off until August. So I'm getting my dynasty time in now while I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I have to say, now that I'm more caught up on it, and we'll get into that later, but now that I'm more caught up on it, you're so right when you say about courtroom drama, the the season three infamous court episode was mind-blowing. And your analysis of Fallon and uh, Blake's relationship of how she always is conflicted when it comes to fighting for him or against him. Oh, soap drama beauty. And uh, yeah. yeah um, it's weird to hear you talk about it now and know where I am and catching up. And yeah, it sounds like it gets even more bonkers as it goes on. And I, 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 oh, I can't wait. <laughs> they've done a really good job I think um, where you are in season three that was like maybe the most bonkers and then season four they scaled I th- I've said this before but mm-hmm. season four they kind of scaled back and got to a more like character driven place and that's kind of carried over and um, and meshed well with getting back into like bigger more like crazier storylines in season five so it's really um I don't know. It's really funny to see how Fallon continues to have these like vulnerable moments with her dad. Like that's been the through line through the whole series is Fallon and Blake, Fallon and Blake. And um, seeing how that's changed from like the huge moments to like smaller moments to again, like huge high stakes moments. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a really great part of what is now the final season (laughs) and it'll be um great to see where it ends up like where they land in their relationship and and where blake ends up because he's done a lot of bad things (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah in typical soapy fashion you root for him anyway so i'm really eager to see how it all wraps up for him because he he has been portrayed as the villain of the piece quite often but at the same time he's a villain you can kind of root for because he's always fallon's obstacle so um 
Yeah, I'm really eager to see how a show like that wraps up for everything, every character, because no matter how bad they are, you still kind of love them. Mm. Shall we roast? I guess to say to the listeners, I've slandered the mole too many times. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a lot of connections. Um, and so I, I'm um, talking to you all now from my phone um, because technology is wonderful. Uh, so our roast, besides, you know, technology, the mold, <laughs> um, it's just that it's about Riverdale and this whole storyline about saving the town. Um, it's unnecessary. There's been nothing so amazing about Riverdale that it necessitates any of this. And the storyline just keeps getting more and more bonkers the more they keep telling us about it. Like now Tabitha's the guardian angel of Riverdale. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, uh, it, Riverdale and its head was bonkers. Dynasty continues to get bonkers. But this is not the kind of bonkers Riverdale needs. It feels like they're throwing everything at the wall just to see what sticks. And I know you can admire something when the gloves come off and they're like, let's try that. And let's try that. But a lot of this feels like it's done for the sake of that. And again, just to save this damn time, which, as we said before, really doesn't deserve it at this point. <laughs> Is it worth it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's worth saving Riverdale. Um, so, yeah, I think we talked about it a lot in our Riverdale catch up, but move on from saving Riverdale. Either save it or don't. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not a plot point in season seven. Please, no. Save it in this season and let us move on. Amen. St- start afresh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this pod. Um, the one piece of, well, we've talked about a lot of good news, but uh, we're going to start our Nancy Drew journey in the next pod. So very excited about that. So excited. Get ready, guys. Can't wait. God. Okay. Well, Until next week, you guys, uh, we are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all.